Good evening, everybody. So today I want to spend some time talking about Satan, about the devil, one of the greatest sort of temptations the devil can give to us is to make us believe that he is not real. Now, as I'm going to say in today's homily, I'm in no way, shape, or form advocating that every time we have a bad thought or every evil thing happens in the world can be blamed on Satan. This is not true at all. Nor is the way that Satan is depicted in Hollywood accurate or real. But we can't deny the fact that there are principalities and powers, there are other spiritual forces that we're not always fully aware of that are acting in our world today. And so what I want to do today is talk about how to recognize Satan's tactics. Because like I said, he is rarely going to come after us in the same way that he does in movies or film or the way that we imagine coming to terrorize us in some hideous form, usually is much more subtle and much more cunning. And we're going to look today at the gospel. As Jesus calls Peter out, he sees the evil one working through Peter. So how do we look at what Peter says and does? What can it tell us about the way that Satan really works, that he really acts in our world? The first is this is that we see that Peter pulls Jesus off to the side to talk to him. In the same way, the devil, tempting Jesus at the beginning of the gospel, pulls him and leads him into the desert. What he does is he separates Jesus from the other apostles. He separates Jesus from the community. He isolates him. So isolation is the first thing. The, law, the evil one is going to try to isolate us. That's his first tactic. To remove us from our loved ones. To remove us from our support. To remove us from our community. To remove us from those who love us. And as you'll see, he does a little bit more. But his first tactic is to isolate us. We're called to live in community and friendship. So he is going to, just like he does to Jesus, pulls him away. Pulls him off to the side. So that's the first step, isolating from the community. Number two is when he then begins to speak to him. As we'll see, he whispers in his ear. He tempts us by not talking to us directly, but by whispering in our ear, speaking to our fears, causing us rumination. It's a word that I like to use a lot. Rumination means to overthink something. And people love to do it, particularly young people today, to get trapped in their heads. And so when we do that, when we're isolated, we're trapped in our heads, and the evil one, that critic, the accuser, as Scripture calls us, can start speaking lies to us. The Lord doesn't love you. You don't belong. You're no good. You should be ashamed of yourself, speaking not only in our insecurities, but also bringing up suspicion, becoming suspicious of other people, of their motives, whether they truly love us, whether God really wants what's good for us. When we are isolated, we are more tempted to ruminate and to get trapped in our heads 
and to believe the lies of the accuser. And third and finally, what does Peter say? You don't need to go suffer on the cross. You can do it a different way. I'm not going to let that happen. The evil one brings about temptation. Isolation, rumination, and then temptation. The temptation for Jesus? No. The cross is not good. Suffering is not good. You need to do it another way. What temptation really does, or the way the Lord works it with Jesus and with us, is he takes something which is evil and makes us think it's good, or something good and makes us think it's evil. That's how he tempts us. He doesn't really come up and say, hey, do this bad thing because it's bad. No, he says, hey, choose this. It's actually going to be a very good thing for you when we know that it's not. Or choose, th don't choose this, it's bad, when in fact it's the very thing that can bring us salvation. We need to learn how to spot those temptations because it's not going to be put right there in front of us on a platter. The way the devil works is through isolation, rumination, and temptation. All playing on things in reality but using those points as weaknesses to bring us away from the Lord. And so this is what Jesus had to endure, what Peter tried doing to him, and what was the Lord's response? Get behind me, Satan. We're going to look a little bit about what that means, but if there's something in the gospel that we often don't notice, after Peter says this to him and pulls him aside, Jesus doesn't just say, get behind me, Satan. Scripture tells us he turned and said to Peter. This is instrumental. This is so crucial. Why? Because it shows us that Peter was not face-to-face -face with Jesus. He wasn't behind him either, because that's what Jesus says, get behind me. He wasn't in front of him. He was on the side to him whispering in his ear, telling him these things, tempting him, isolating him. It reveals something very important for us to understand about Satan, is that Satan won't make eye contact. The evil one is not going to make eye contact with Jesus. He's not going to make eye contact with us. Why? I've been doing some reading on eye contact, and I realize very clearly why the devil won't stand face-to-face -face with Jesus. Why the evil one won't stand face-to-face -face with us is because animals, humans, living creatures, we do not make eye contact when we're fearful. Think of it. Fearful of being punished, guilty, ashamed. Think of the dog that does something bad, and you go home, and the dog knows it. The dog's not going to look you in the eye. Your friend who's betrayed you, and you confront them, they're not going to look you in the eye. Why? Because they're scared. Because they're cowards. Because they can't face the truth. The person who is honest, who is loving, who is courageous, who's merciful, is going to look you in the eyes. Look in the eyes because there's no fear. And Jesus wants to look Peter in the eyes. He wants to look the evil one in the eyes because he is not scared. He's calling the evil one out for what he is. You're a coward. 
You want to look at me face to face. You're not doing it like someone who really believes in themselves. Exposing Satan for what he truly is. A coward. Weak. It's a great story from St. Therese, the little flower. Talks about, and she's a child, she saw this image of these two little demons coming after her to tempt her. And Therese, the innocent child, ran after them, sort of curious. And what did the demons do? They ran away from her. They ran away from her, scared. Therese teaches us from that a very important principle. The devil is scared of children. Why? Because the children are innocent. Because the children are pure. Because the devil's a coward. Scared of a kid. If you want something more, more recent, again, maybe I'm dating myself now, which is really, really scary. You've seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy. King Theoden, who is being tempted, whispered in the ear by grim a worm tongue. His accuser, who's isolated him from his family and friends, who's turned him to a weak shell of a king and a man, making him suspicious of everyone, making him doubt his own ability. When Gandalf, the hero, walks in, he looks him in the eye, calls Grimm out, and then exercises Theoden, who comes to regain his strength, his willingness to face the evil that is coming. He's not afraid to call out the evil one for who he is. He stands with great confidence in front of evil. This is how Jesus deals with Satan, and this is how we're called to do it too. To have no fear. To realize that Satan will not make eye contact, but he is scared, he's filled with shame, and he is a coward. But the truth is... The evil one feeds on our fear. Our fear of him. Our fear of other things in the world. He feeds on it. And so do the people who serve him whether they realize it or not. They feed on the fear of other people. And the best way that you can express this, probably over the course of the past let's, 20 or 30 years, the great expressions or symbols of evil and Satan in popular culture is Pennywise the Clown from it. You're lucky you have the lights up. We're talking about clowns at 9 o'clock at night. We freak most people out if it was dark. If you watch the movie, what does Pennywise prey on? The kids' fears. The fears. He knows it. But when they decide we're not going to be fearful anymore, he shrinks. He's a coward. He's weak. He's a symbol of the devil. And so we have so many things that are in the world today that are not necessarily caused by the devil. I'm not trying to say that. We do enough to cause chaos in the world, but the evil one uses it to play on our fears. Fears of COVID. Hey, you know what? It's a real thing. We need to be concerned with the fact that so many people live in fear now of this disease. Fear cripples them. This is not of God. The violence, the issues in the world. Yeah, you know, we have real issues with racial injustice, with oppression. These are things that need to be dealt with. But whenever we're called a fear, or fear taxes are used to deal with it, it's not what is supposed to happen. It's not of the Lord. Politics. 
you vote for this person, this terrible thing is going to happen. If you support that person, he's evil. It's all fear. It's not using reason. It's not using logic. It's of Satan. And the one who really funds all this is the media. What do you think the media is about? Both sides, I don't care where it comes from politically, is to instill fear. That's not how we govern. It's not how Christians lead. Christians are supposed to be not afraid. Not afraid of the world. Not afraid of the future. Not afraid of Satan. Jesus never fears, nor does he use fear to get people to follow him. If you ever see someone using fear tactics, threatening to get you to do something, you know it's not of Jesus. And sometimes we've got to stand up. Sometimes we have to fight. That's absolutely true. But if they're trying to use fear tactics to shame, to make you feel terrible, to fear a decision, it's not of God. It's the tactics of a bully. And that's what Satan is. He's a bully. He wants to make you feel scared. But as you know, as soon as you stand up to that bully and you punch him in the face, he breaks. He always does. It's because of coward. Bullies are cowards. And so the way that we can do this is to, to trust in Jesus. Be not afraid. That's why our prayer life is so important. That's why coming to the sacraments is so important. That's why having community and not being isolated is important. Because it's going to continue to get worse. The more we give in to fear, the more the evil one can play into it in our own lives, in our church, in our community, and in our culture and world. It's time for Christians to stand up for what they believe, to stand with the Lord, to call out Satan for the coward that he is. Don't let bullying fear guide our lives, but to stand with the truth and the power of Christ.